This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Helena Harris from Rhode Island. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Wednesday, July 31st, episode 2237. And today's episode is brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. On today's show, as you've just heard, we are once again joined by longtime friend of the network, Helena Harris, filling in as Jamie's co-host today. Another group <laughs> no boys allowed. No boys allowed. And in fact, our first guest is also a girl in our horse health report. Claire Thunes of Summit Equine Nutrition joins us for a discussion on stocking up. Now, to me here in Florida, stocking up is that thing you do before the hurricane hits. But I understand <laughs> that in the horse world, it means something else entirely. So I look forward to that discussion. Then Jamie brings us a, a special Oklahoma edition of bad advice for horse people by horse people. Oh, Hel- yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Helena treats us to teenage equestrian social media drama. So you don't want to miss any of it. It's going to be a packed show as always today, guys. And speaking of today, today is both National Cotton Candy Day and National Jump for Jelly Beans Day. So enjoy that inevitable sugar rush, guys. Oh, my God. Could you imagine eating a bunch of cotton candy and then doing jumpy jacks? I would puke. <laughs> come right yeah, but it would be fun <laughs> oh well helena thank you so much for coming and being on the show today i appreciate it you're very welcome it's been a long time i know i know i don't know if you've co-hosted a horses in the morning with me so we we do things uh i don't want to say different but it's just unique so what i have tasked helena to do is to channel her how old's your daughter 16 yeah so that's it. And she rides, right? She does. So I have asked her to channel her 16-year-old daughter to have a personalized version of teenage equestrian social media drama. So we're going to get to that a little bit later. But first, we are going to do daily winnies. So here, the first one is, and it's yours. My daily winnie goes out to Tick Maynard. For his amazing book, In the Middle Are the Horsemen. I just finished it, and it's been a really long time since I resonated with an equestrian book of any kind that that wasn't telling me how to fix my horse, train my horse, get on my horse, or get off my horse. This was more about the heart and soul of being a horseman, and I thought it was just so well done. He really took us on a journey in that book with him. So, <clears throat> daily when it goes to tick. What yeah, it's it. It's a great book. We actually had him and Sinead on our um, Radiothon, and I had read the book, and I loved it, and so I talked to him about the book, and it was almost like a test. He was like, oh, really, Jamie? You read it? What was your favorite part? (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, I mean, I've, of course, read the book, but I was like, oh, and then I just gave some, like, nine-minute rambling answer. I'm like, I like the part when you're in Europe, and then you went to that guy's farm in Texas, and then there's that time that you did that. And I was like, why can't I just stop talking? Stop talking. (laughs) He did the same thing to me. I, before, because we're going to have him on Stall and Stable, and before I read the book, and I said to him, you know, we're thinking about having you on the show, blah, blah, blah. He was like, really? Do you read books? Do you read horse books? <laughs> How many horse books do you have? What are your, some of your favorites? Tell yeah. me what kind of, have you ever read anything by Mark Rashid? Have you been, and I was like, uh, 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 and then once I got started, I must've named 66 different equestrian books that I've read in my lifetime. Right. He was it's like, like you can't stop. stop 
he's so cute though and he's so like he's just adorable human and you just can't stop talking so yeah good daily winnie i love that book and uh, if you haven't read read it uh it's called in the middle of the horseman and it's kind of just his journey in the horse world and he's a very accomplished equestrian so it's really good it is it's great and it's a real he's very honest in it which you don't really find that often it was refreshing yeah it is all right now it's my turn Okay, well, my Daily Winnie goes out to a woman named Marie Littlefield. And Marie is an equestrian photographer, and she lives about 15 minutes from me. So she, we have this little, like, uh, thoroughbred makeover. So I'm, I'm entered in the thoroughbred makeover this year. It'll... <sighs> I, as I from the YouTube excited. videos that I've watched, I'm going to be a disaster. Like I, I'm just, I'm just going to show up and d- just be there because oh, I watched some of these videos. I'm like at Liberty last year, this girl's horse comes galloping into the arena, circles around her, lays down. She gets on at Bridalist and Fairbanks, like rides off. And I'm like, my horse can pick up the right lead canner. So there's <laughs> that. So to help in assisting my um, attempt at becoming a participant, I got a professional photographer because the group will be up for sale at the makeover. It's kind of part of the the design is that you can take your horse and, and market it to a bunch of people that will give it a really good quality home that are looking for competitive horses. And so I had professional photos done. Oh, my God. I didn't know he was so pretty. <laughs> like, oh. I was like, see this, but he had like this cut over his eye that of course is like white at this point, you know, this skin. And I was like, can you edit that out? She's like, yeah, I got it. No problem. So she like put a little like brown spot over his little white cut <laughs> and he looks amazing. <laughs> so we, we did the photos down by my little pond. And anyway, they came out really good. Totally worth the finances because I just think that all, you know, it was going to be like a cell phone selfie shot of me and baby Groot if I didn't have a professional. <laughs> so it came out really good. So thanks Marie Littlefield. Ah, uh, well, if you're playing with the big kids in the makeover, then you might as well go big. They'll be right. like, wow, she's super impressive. And then I'm going to get there and they'll be like, mm, never mind. <laughs> see, those photographs will be like your at Liberty training. So other people yeah. will impress with what they can do at Liberty. You're going to impress with your PR marketing skills. For real. What is up with these people? Like, And of course, she works with like Double Dan Horsemanship or whatever. And I'm watching this. And she didn't even win. She didn't even win. So there I'm you like, go. This horse comes galloping out black, you know, big black thoroughbred. These guys have been off the track for literally nine months, uh, you know, or at least been in training for nine months. The horse comes in and lays down and she gets on it. What? How is that? Don't do that. That's not fair. That's just not fair. And Glenn told me I have to do a freestyle, which is, you know, five. I don't know how to do a freestyle. So I've been working on something like that. And as soon as I, I, I should watch some of the videos of the horses from the previous years. That was a terrible idea. Yeah. Because now I feel like total crap. But <clears throat> we'll see what I can do. Oh, what well. is your journey? Is this your first thoroughbred makeover? Yes. Yes. It's my first makeover of any sort, aside from, you know, going to the mall. All right. Well, just... <laughs> Be gentle with yourself and, you know, you've got baby Groot, you know what you're doing, your humility and your effort and your authenticity. That's all that matters. Yeah. That, and that's That's not going to win me $10,000. I'll tell you that. (laughs) You know what? We're going to give you the prize because you're the most ridiculous, (laughs) but you're humble. (laughs) Hey, a prize is a prize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's not a prize. No, it's like a, what, what in eventing, we have a prize called the DFL award. And in the DFL award, it means you finished with a number, not a letter. So you don't want to finish with a letter, which is like usually E for eliminated, RF for rider fall, HF for horse fall. So you don't want to finish with a letter, but you want to finish with a number. And the DFL award is something that I've won many times, and it's called dead freaking last. (laughs) But my God, you finished with a number instead of a letter. So congratulations to me. (laughs) Um, But how's your daughter doing with competing? She is, um, well, right now she's taking a little break from it. She's working a job that has nothing to do with horses, but she finished up her IEA year very well. Oh, IEA. Cool. She made it all the way to zones. So... She made, this is her second year she made it to zones, 
which is a, it's a big deal for her because she, she, she doesn't always get to ride the best horses. Well, we'll get to that. I'm sure in your teenage equestrian social media drama that's coming up, but now we're going to talk to our first guest. It's time for the horses in the morning horse health report. When our intrepid hosts together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. I'm very happy to have Dr. Tunis on the show today. And we are going to talk, it's funny, we were talking about this Dr. Tunis before the show. And Jemmy, our producer, is not a horse person, but she does live in Florida. So she thinks stocking up means going to the grocery store before a hurricane. And so... (laughs) To talk about stock, I'm like, no, 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 baby, something totally different. So talk to us about stocking up. Yeah. So um, that's pretty funny. I live in Arizona. We just had the first big monsoon last night. So uh, oh, yeah. nothing like a nothing like a hurricane, but I can understand why you would stock up for a hurricane. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, I think most of us, if we've had, you know, several horses in our lifetime have probably experienced some form of stocking up at some point. Um, I know I have, and it's a, you know, can be a somewhat common occurrence in some horses. So some horses stock up a lot more than others. Um, some horses never really seem to stock up. Um, and then some horses suddenly stock up out of nowhere. And I think that, you know, that can certainly be a concern to owners who aren't used to seeing stocking up, who suddenly are like, Oh my gosh, my horse's legs have swollen up. Um, so it does look like swelling. I think if we think of the, you know, the lower limb of the, say, a front leg below the knee, ideally we have, you know, nice definition, the cannon bone. You can see the tendon on the back of the leg and there's, you know, nice definition there running down to the fetlock. And if they're stocking up, that definition um, is sort of gone. And, and I think when we think about stocking up, we're thinking about, you know, especially down around the fetlock area and just above the fetlock area, there tends to be swelling it tends to be you know slightly soft it's not generally not like a hard swelling it's it can be firm um and often it's in horses that are stalled so they're not moving a lot so sometimes you'll see it in horses that are used to being turned out and then maybe you bring them in for i don't know you're going to a show or something so you bring them in overnight or um rain's really hot and your pastures are too wet to turn out in or whatever and you bring them in and you, where they're used to moving and walking around, they're now standing still and you go out in the morning to turn them out again or do whatever with them and you check their legs and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, the legs are filled. Oh my gosh, uh, you have cankles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so one of the things that I, you know, one of the things that I, you know, just as an owner have always, you know, looked for in those situations is, you know, don't panic. Like, is it one leg or is it multiple legs? Like, I'm going to panic a little less if it's like both front legs. If it's only one front leg, then I'm like, huh, you know, I'm going to, you know, check that. And like, do we actually just bang ourselves, you know, overnight? Did we kick, you know, something else may be going on. I think generally stocking up is you see it in, in, you know, a pair of legs or multiple legs, not just one, but I mean, it can happen in one leg. Um, I, I, I had a mare once that, um, that I was involved with who had a condition called cellulitis, which is a bacterial inf- skin infection mm-hmm. and horses that have had cellulitis in their lives, even only once, um, are more at risk of stocking up later on in life. Um, so maybe they had cellulitis five years ago and now they're stocking up again because they're, you know, that bacterial infection actually caused a little bit of damage to the tissue. And so their fluid tends to build up there. And so then you might have a leg that tends to stock up more than the other leg. Um, so I think it is important that, um, you know, stocking up is some, is pretty benign. But there are times when legs swell up where it's not benign, right? So you want to check that leg for like heat and swelling. And um, even, you know, if you don't have, I mean, heaven forbid, you have some sort of, you know, tendon or ligament strain that's resulting in heat and swelling, you can also get like the cellulitis, the bacterial infections. And so I would also be taking the horse's temperature just to make sure that you don't have any sort of infection going on, something more serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case and, you know, you have... Uh, any of those things, you would definitely want to reach out to your vet. And if your horse is stocking up, you know, and it's still stocking up after several days, three or four days, I'd also call the vet, even if it is just stocking up, because that 
swelling in the lower limb can actually um, you know, stretch the skin and you know, cause folds. And you can actually then end up with a bacterial infection because you're putting pressure on the skin that's not supposed to be there. So, um, you know, it's definitely a case to call the vet um, if, you've, if the horse is stocked up for several days. Um, now, I'm reading your article on thehorse.com and it talks about step one is check for injury or illness. Right. So that would be the thermometer, maybe listen to the heart rate, check TPR mm-hmm. uh, and see what is there. Um, now, I had a horse that stocked up for, you know, he was out during the day and then he came in at night. And every morning mm-hmm. I'd come in and he, his back legs were stocked up. He also had like terrible cardiac output. So he had a really bad heart murmur, uh, which made him kind of more predisposed to it. Is that correct? And, and it usually starts right. in the back legs, right? Yeah. I'm not sure, you know, whether it's, you know, just the more common in the back legs and I should, you know, qualify that I'm not a veterinarian. I'm an equine nutritionist. So um, we're sort of, you know, merging into territory that is more of a veterinarian's territory. Um, Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen, I'm just thinking back just anecdotally that my own horses that I've had that have stocked up. um, Yeah, I would say high, you know, hind legs. Um, But it, it, again, it'll depend on that horse's sort of prior history and, and, and what's going on. But yes, you're exactly right, the cardiac output. And the reason for that is that um, stocking up is happens in the limbs because there's often not enough pressure to push the lymph and the blood back up the leg. So if we think about blood leaving the heart, it's leaving the heart under you know high pressure, right? And the heart has to pump that blood, the oxygenated blood, a long way. If you think about where the horse's heart is, and it has to go, say, all the way to the back of the horse, you know, down the horse's hind end, down to the hind fetlocks, pastons, and hooves, that's a long way from the heart. And by the time it gets down to the bottom of that hind foot, somehow it's got to fight gravity and now make it all the way back up the leg to get back to the heart. Mm-hmm. So if you have you know, anything that decreases blood pressure, so you don't have, like your heart is not very strong or um, has sort of an irregular beat or um, the horse is dehydrated, so there's not as, not as much blood volume, so you just have less blood there's not going to, having less blood means there's going to be less pressure um, right. to you know to pushing that back up, and so what happens is is you have all that nice oxygenated blood traveling down the leg, full of nutrients, you know, for the all the tissues all the way down the leg and everything, and then um, in return, what is being put into the blood that's traveling you know back to the horse's heart are all the waste products that are coming out of those tissues. But first it goes into the lymph system and the lymph system is sort of like, it's, you know, it's kind of like checking that fluid for infectious agents, inflammatory markers, because it's the lymph system is part of your immune system. And it's kind of like the screening center where it's screening all this stuff that's coming back. That's what lymph nodes do, right? They kind of screen all that tissue and kind of go, is there anything really nasty in here we need to be concerned about? And if there is, you know, some sort of bacterial agent or viral agent or whatever, then that stimulates the immune system. The lymph system says we're under attack and puts into play all of those um, sort of immune system functions. And so that's why it's screening all of that before that fluid and the waste products then get back into the bloodstream and go back, um, you know, back up the leg. That makes sense. So as a nutritionist, what are some things that we can do to help our horses? Well, the big one is obviously making sure they're properly hydrated because if you have reduced blood volume because they're not hydrated adequately, then they're not going to have, you know, the pressure is not going to be there to help move that fluid back up the leg. So, um, and I think we often see, you know, it's not uncommon to see stocking up in hot weather as well. And and that can partly be because um, they're not as hydrated as they should be. because the weather is hot and maybe they're sweating heavily. So they've been losing sodium in their sweat. You know, sodium stimulates them to drink, which keeps their water levels up, which helps maintain good blood volume. And it's also important to remember that, you know, sodium plays a really important role in the movement of fluid across tissue. And so, you know, movement of fluid out of tissue is going to, you know, if you don't have enough sodium, that's going to impact just that movement of fluid out of that tissue. Um, And so it'll have an effect there as well. So, I, you know, not just the stocking up, but all kinds of other conditions. I'm a big believer in making sure that horses are getting enough sodium. Um, And, you know, you can do that by um, providing enough salt Mm -hmm. or a really good or a really good quality electrolyte. So, you know, you're looking at 
if you're going the salt route, you're looking at two tablespoons of salt a day for sort of an 1,100-pound horse. Um, it's basically one tablespoon of salt for every 500 pounds of body weight. If you're looking at an electrolyte, when you look at the label, you want to make sure that the first ingredient is either salt um, or probably going to be chloride. Um, you don't want the first ingredient to be sugar because mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're listing ingredients in decreasing order of inclusion, and if the first ingredient is sugar, then you're just not, you're never going to get enough salt in that product to actually really do what you need it to do. And I find um, too that it's kind of like with human food, I don't want to eat something myself that's fluorescent pink. So I feel <laughs> like why on earth is it sugar and food dye is the first thing in electrolytes. I'm just shocked by it all the time. So that's why I use right. all the Redmond products. But um, yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I, I remember buying something. You just had to get something at the feed store when I lived in Arizona and I pulled it open and it was fluorescent pink. And I'm like, gross. I wouldn't right. eat that. The trick, though, is that you still have to, yeah, I mean, you have to make sure that you're getting enough sodium chloride. So sometimes, you know, there are, um, you know, other, yeah, it's either sugar or other ingredients in there that, are, you know, your actual, what you actually want is way down, um, way down the list. And there are, um, you know, and, and again, ideally, your electrolyte is actually balanced to replace sweat because really the purpose of your electrolyte is to replace sweat loss. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're, your horse is consuming its daily sodium requirement. And then in addition to that, because they're sweating, you want to replace that sweat loss because horse sweat is very high in electrolytes. So they dump a lot of electrolytes in their sweat. And so you want to then replace that with your electrolytes. So that's in addition to just what they need on a daily basis for their daily nutrient requirement. We're talking about like sweat loss. And so that's really the purpose of a good quality electrolyte. Um, now, some horses just don't like the taste of salt. Um, most, a lot of people say, well, I've got block in my field, but if your, you know, average size horse is not consuming two pounds of salt a month off that block, they're not consuming their daily sodium requirement wow. and sodium, le sodium levels in, um, forage can be very variable. Um, so I don't like to just assume that they're getting it from their forage. Yes, there's salt in a lot of commercial grains, but again, not at the level that you would need to really make a huge impact in their sodium levels. So we really do need to be providing salt and horses cannot be trusted to just go to a block and lick an ounce of salt off a block. And if you think about how long that would take to do, like how much licking they would have to do to lick an ounce off a block, it kind of, when you think about it, you realize it's pretty obvious that's not likely happening. Now, you do get those odd individuals who just love salt and will stand at their block and chew it and lick it. But to me, in my experience, those are the minority of horses. So my preference is to give them salt or electrolyte every day and then give them a block. If they want more, they'll go find more on their block. But I have the peace of mind in knowing that I've given them the you know, the bare minimum that they need every day. Right. And it's especially important in the summer. Well, Dr. Tunas from Summit Equine Nutrition, where can people get a hold of you if they have more questions? Yeah. I mean, my website is um, summit-equine.com. And there's a little pop-up that comes up in the corner where you can reach out and contact me. Um, so I'm pretty easy to find. And my email address is Claire, C-L-A-I-R, at summit-equine.com. Um, and it's lovely to be uh, talking to folks where I don't have to spell equine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly hope so. So, well, thanks, Claire. I look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome. I'd love to come back. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Well, we'd like to thank our title sponsor of the day, horselovers.com. That's horselovers with a Z.com. Helena, are you a shopper of horse lovers? If you're not, you'll be addicted after you do this commercial. <laughs> I am a shopper of horse lovers. I think I just bought a bunch of fly protection stuff from them and yeah because it's like boots. it was free i bought them for everybody they were 20 dollars a thing and they're all still intact and lasting so i'm really happy with the quality of the fly stuff uh do you do the fly sheet boot mask thing that i sometimes do you know well i've got this new thoroughbred and it's basically like having an alien so i'm not sure what she needs right now so i'm throwing everything at her she looks like seriously like an alien um I did the fly sheet thing, but it's too hot because she sweats like a racehorse. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I think really all she's going to need are the boots or the, you know, the leg wraps. 
Yeah, the fly, so, the fly boots. So, well, yeah. you can find those and anything else to help with fly protection. Yeah, my guys get their fly sheets on at night because they go out, they get turned out, and the mosquitoes and the horse flies and everything is just so. I have a pile of thoroughbreds here, girl. So I feel your pain. <laughs> so you can find anything you need on horselovers.com. And right now they have a Nobles Outfitters sale. And I love the Noble Outfitter boots and shirts and all that kind of stuff. So everything's on sale there. They're still giving away the outfits and you can enter to win a Noble Outfitters outfit. It's $150 value and the summer deal of the day, 20% off anything Davis bell boots, because I don't know if you know this yet, but those fly boots will eventually start to sag. And the best way I found to keep the fly boots up is a pair of bell boots. So you put the bell boot on and then you put the fly boot on and it really keeps it up. So and that's the whole show right there. That's why people tune in for those little tips. <laughs> Hot tip for you. Fly <laughs> boots will stay up if you put bell boots on. And right now they're 20% off of horselovers.com. Again, the Davis bell boots. And they have cool glittery ones too. So check them out. Horselovers.com. All right. Well, Helena, I want to, I want to talk. I've got, I, I, I have some space here for a guest and congratulations. You're my guest. So <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the life of Helena. Now, Helena and I, obviously you and Glenn created the network. We don't have to get into that entire history there, but you and I met very early on at one of the Ada's and we hung out and, and meeting you and hanging out with you is she's just like, she sounds y'all you're like, you'll be Insta best friends with her. So, <laughs> um, that's how it is with Helena. Now, since then you have moved on and pretty much went rogue. Yeah. which is you started your own podcast. I did. I did. I'm like Glenn's little sister. So I was tugging on his sleeves for a while. Glenn, 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 I want to do my own. I want to do my own. And he was like, flap. Go ahead, kid. Do your own. So we started stall and stable. We meaning I started <laughs> stall and stable. It's kind of the only thing that we don't cover here on HRN. I mean, you do and in little bits and pieces, but I decided to, because I've been a backyard horse owner for quite a few years. And I've been involved with the construction of four barns, two large ones, and then two of my own backyard barns. I thought, well, I made a lot of mistakes. So wouldn't it be nice to share some do's and don'ts with the horse podcast, listening, horse loving world. And so we have stall and stable. Now, is it, what, what is the topic? Because I designed and built my, oh, I didn't built it. I designed and had somebody build my barn in the back too. So is it a lot that like, should I have listened to your show <laughs> before I built that? No, you're actually going to be a guest in case you didn't know. Oh, I'm okay. Have you, I mean, you're going to talk to us about your experience. Um, It's basically about how to work with your architects, designers, builders, how not to let your um, horse husband without horse experience get involved and make oh my decisions. god, do you have oh. rules for that? Like, is there a like a button you push that shocks them when they start talking about your horse? Like, what's that? Yeah, There's it's called magic. It's called coming home to the construction site and telling them that they put the four foot fence too low and it's supposed to be a five foot fence. Oh like, no, yeah. So little things like that, but um, also just any ideas, product solutions, tips for how to keep your horses happier and healthier because. In my opinion, when they're happy and comfortable and they get to be horses, they're way better under saddle. They're more mm -hmm. fun. They're better performers and, you know, just better partners. So that's kind of where we're coming from. That's fantastic. So you, how often do you do it? How many do you have? We do uh, one show every two weeks and it's about 30 minutes long because I know horse people don't have a lot of time. So we make it really simple, straightforward. Sometimes we have guests. Sometimes we take four or five tips based on, you know, my experiences or the guests experiences. And, you know, for example, you know, 10 things you can do in, in the hot weather to keep your horse comfortable. That was our most recent show. Uh, we've talked to people like Susan Harris, who wrote the pony club manuals, which are my Bibles. We've talked about making hay, all the things that go into keeping horse keeping. Fantastic. We just made our own hay too. This is, I'm like your new biggest fan. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so cool. I look out, I have my, my podcasting office, my studio has a window in it and that window looks out right onto my barnyard and my paddocks. So I can see what my horses are doing 24 seven and that might be too much information. <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes it is. 
you're like, why is he bothering her now? Once he's got his nose up her butt again, what's she doing? Why is that? You know, why is she eating? Is she drinking? That's the fourth time she's drinking. Is she sweating? Should I go out and hose her down? Oh my God. You and I are the same person in different locations. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. So, well, that's cool. So you can check it out. Where can we find it? Stallandstable.com or any of the major podcast distributors. Fantastic. And then married life is good. Having a teenage daughter is good. Married life is great. He, my husband is a fantastic horse husband actually. And he started riding. He started riding my 19 year old Abby Gelding Brody, who's a great husband horse. And my daughter is just, she's, I lucked out, you know, she's a good kid. The horses love her. She's one of those riders who just doesn't get in her horse's way. So they always appreciate having her in the tack because she's just so chill and she has this natural balance. She's a witch. I hate it. <laughs> Isn't that not fair? <laughs> well, fantastic. I'm glad everything's going well for you and married life is good. And your kid is a, a I don't know, a unicorn amongst teenagers. That's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, we'll hear a little bit more about her coming up in just a minute. So thank you for being on. We really appreciate it. Oh, it is my pleasure. As always, we have on Wednesdays our horse health report, and we're just going to have a day of horse health. And, you know, there's just sometimes there's things that you don't want to talk about that we all have to deal with. And and you guys know that I had to put down precious beloved Chili uh, a month or so ago. And so we've got Dr. Siemens on, of course, our favorite vet in the whole world. And because he is our favorite vet and he's really nice, we're going to let him talk about euthanasia because I don't think it, it could sound any better coming from anybody else. Good morning, Dr. Siemens. <laughs> Good morning. You're, you know, I've heard you talk to other vets on the phone before or on the, on the radio before, and you always say, Dr. So-and-so is always my favorite. So I, I don't know exactly what to make of that, but I appreciate you being so <laughs> kind to me. Oh, yeah. You know. You know we love you. We appreciate having you on. And um, oh. to talk about something that's not really easy to talk about. Now, the reason this is coming up is because you are in the car on your way to some calls. Tell us what's going on. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know what vet schools are doing now, but they're, when I was in, in school, this has been a couple of years ago, they really didn't tell us very much about euthanasia. They they said, okay, here's the green juice. Sometimes you need it. Good luck. And and boy, that there's we need just a tad more information on that before we go forth, you know, uh, into the world. Uh, there's 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 times to do this and there's times not to do this. And so you gotta you gotta weigh a whole bunch of things. First thing you have to weigh is at least from my standpoint as a veterinarian is is the owner, the client's perception of the quality of life. And, and so that is, that is extremely subjective. And, but most of the time, I'll have to say, most of the time people make the right decisions at the right time. And that's, that's just part of good stewardship of taking care of these animals. And, and we're, we're all too often reminded that the span of their life is shorter than ours. And, and when it comes to the point of doing the kind thing, doing the kind thing is never the wrong thing. So, you know, Sometimes we wait too long. It doesn't happen very often. Usually most people understand that, you know, it's time for old Buck to say goodbye. He's been here 23 years and, you know, we're just done here. But if we've got a, we've got a horse that's, that's in constant unrelenting pain, meaning not just a little lame, not just kind of playing hurt like a pro football player after 12 years, but this is the kind of horse that really doesn't want to move around very much. If he's not eating, if he can't eat, you know, if he's missing so many teeth, he can't maintain his body weight. Uh, if we if we have exhausted all measures, if we can't figure out what's wrong, I mean, there's all kinds of what ifs here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 never an easy decision, but sometimes it's it, it's it's just a necessary, a necessary well, thing. We. I'll tell you what happened in my situation and, and kind of the rule that I have been, I've been a vet tech for a long time and I've assisted in the euthanasia of too many horses. Um, but what, what kind of my rule is after being in that experience, uh, the way I was is I have a thing. If you stop eating or you're lame at the walk, that just means every step 
hurts. Imagine every single step. And so the chili, bless his heart, his knees were so, they were almost to where they had no range of motion. And I just thought, you know, a, a coyote is going to come out in the woods uh, in, in the pasture and he's going to go to take off and he's not going to be able to move in the, you know, and, and I just thought well, it's a nicer way to give them a peaceful way. I'd rather call you for an appointment than an emergency. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So talk to us about that. I, I think what really frustrated me on the vet tech side was people that waited too long and people that were way too early. And that's the 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 like big issue as a horse owner is to know when. When do you say when? Well, again, we, we have to rely on the client's assessment. I mean, because they, they know the horse. But I think I think your point is is very well taken. You know, if they can't eat or if they're in constant pain, if they're lame at the walk, uh, that's a pretty good indication that we've got a problem. Uh, but where, where I'm going right now, it's kind of an interesting case. I don't know this client very well, so I can't. For, for clients that I know well, I never ask them why. Why are we doing this today? Because I know them well enough to know but this is a heart-rending decision. This is not something mm-hmm. they decided on Tuesday we're going to put old buck down. This has been going on for a while and now is the day. But for clients I don't know, and I'm on the way right now to put one down that's, that is that is very old, very crippled, you know, can't get around, they can't keep weight on him, and they're looking at another really rough winter. And they got another horse that I do not know that's, uh, that said he's not sick in his body, but he's sick in his mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just doesn't want to deal with him anymore. So, you know, my take on this is, you know, we're going to roll up on this horse that's six or eight years old. It's, it's pretty solid looking citizen. It's apparently sound, uh, you know, giving this horse the ultimate shot is probably not going to be in the best interest of, of everybody. And I, the only reason I bring, even bring this up, and this doesn't happen very often. So that's why it's kind of on my, on my mind this morning is, is that I've got a horse in my backyard that came that close to being euthanized twice by me because he hurt my wife and he hurt me bad and since then my wife has almost 400 uh, over 400 hours on this horse and he has turned out to be the best horse she ever swung a legal and and wow. i mean my my wife is a hand but you know there's there's where there's where there's hope there's life and there's there are trainers that will take on these troubled horses there are, there's a lot of avenues that we can pursue and had I had I gone with my gut early on and euthanized his horse the first day he gave my wife a closed head injury, we would have missed out on one of the most beautiful relationships that you mm. can possibly imagine. I mean, this, so, you couldn't buy you you could not buy this horse from me. You couldn't do it. He, wow. he means that much to me. So what do you do with these clients? Uh, what 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 are you gonna what are you gonna do? Well, I, I'm not there yet. But I, I have, on, on, on a few occasions, I have re- refused to euthanize a horse because I have an option for this horse. I have, I have already made some phone calls around to some really, really good trainers in my area that take troubled horses. And so I, I got a guy that, uh, that will take this horse. So, okay. you know, if, I, I understand that she's probably frustrated. She doesn't want to spend any more money on this horse. But if she'll give him to my friend, then... Uh, I got a pretty good. I got a pretty good feeling that this horse will find a home someplace with somebody that can handle him, and uh, and with just just a little just a little extra effort and training by somebody that knows what they're doing with troubled horses, uh, this horse may well turn out to be uh, an amazing partner for somebody. You know, and, and that's again, a tricky not, line. Not, that's a tricky line to is, walk when you you if you have it the is. resources to find somebody who can help get to the problem, get to the bottom of the horse's problem. But on the other hand, you also don't want that horse to end up suffering on a slaughter truck somewhere. So you're like, okay, can I find this horse a good situation or can I prevent its suffering? And, you know, consulting with somebody like your vet who may have a network of friends and professional acquaintances, or can say, maybe this horse has a problem that we can solve. I mean, just having that conversation alone can kind of steer you in the right direction. Yeah. This, yes, yeah, that's exactly it. You got to know where you're going with these things, and so that's why I'm really blessed to have a network of very, very good people in my area. So that you know, and they know that if this doesn't work out, he is not going to a kill pen someplace. We'll yeah. go ahead and do what 
what what they ask us to do initially. But uh, you know, I just go back to so many of the so many of the of the better trainers say that I don't help uh, people with horse problems. I help horses with people problems, and mm-hmm. and you know this 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 is a man made issue. I mean, one hundred percent of the time. It's not because he was oxygen deprived as a foal. It's not because he didn't get the GI Joe with a kung fu grip or the Corvette Barbie. I mean, he didn't have a troubled childhood. This is totally man-made. And so, I would argue that in many cases, not all, but in many cases, these man-made problems can be undone. I have got to tell you, Helena, this is why we love Dr. Siemens and we have him on our show all the time because of things like that. This with the vet I worked for, clients right. Clients always write, and I still mm-hmm. have nightmares about things that we were forced to, you know, in, in situations that we were forced to do because the client's right. And you know what? By God, the vet's right. And Dr. Siemens, thank you for being you. And thank you for being, you're speaking for those who can't speak for themselves. And that is, that is the one gift that we can give these animals. And thank you for being that gift. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all, all of us that, you know, we're given stewardship of these animals and we're supposed to take good care of them. And so sometimes, you know, we have to we have to be an advocate for the horse because they can't say anything. Sometimes well, send that horse. Possible. If nobody wants it, you send that horse on down to me. I'll deal with my husband later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do that. Well, let me, let me let me know how it goes. OK, we'll do it. We'll do it. Thank you. Can we, plug Dr. My, can we plug my Can we plug my book? Do I ever not plug your book? Because this is the <laughs> the stuff that we need to hear about. And uh, tell everybody about your book. And of uh, the website is cornerstoneequine.com. There's one e in cornerstone and equine. Yep, exactly. That's where that's where you get it. Uh, it's called Never Trust a Sneaky Pony and other things they did not teach me at veterinary college. <laughs> it, it took me 20 years to write. It's uh it's about uh. It's about why we do what we do, how we approach different diseases, uh, uh, and and some of the crazy things that horse people do. You can't make this stuff up. So, uh, <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> it's, in third printing. it's in his third printing, and uh, some folks like it. Just got a really good plug from Buck Branneman about it. He said, this would be a good read, even if your only pet was a goldfish. fantastic fantastic that's awesome dr siemens thank you so much we'll talk to you again very soon hope you have a uh fulfilling day uh it'll be interesting that's for sure thanks jamie all right thanks take care Helena, I know that you are a little busy to listen to the show too terribly much but i do a segment which is called bad advice for horse people by horse people. <laughs> and and what that means is how many times do you see on Facebook somebody post something and then, oh my God, my horse has this cut. What should I do? And then all these people are like Dr. Google, you know, over here posting Dr. Facebook, really, and uh, Facebooking answers to, and they're ridiculous answers. They are ridiculous answers and there's no source. There's no backup. There's no no credibility to any of them. Just, you, you, you know, usually they have a cut on their leg and somebody's like, mm, your horse has ulcers. Obviously there's, you know, just like ridiculous <laughs> advice, but I feel like, you know, we used to, we did a segment when I first moved here called things I've heard in Oklahoma. And it was just the, the magical words that people use here. Well, this kind of marries those two segments. Okay. So it's, it's, uh, this is, this is on the Oklahoma horse kind of Facebook page and it, the picture is of a horse that has those little warts on their nose. Okay. So it's a picture of the nose of the horse with some warts. And the, the comment is I am, of course you and me, like if you don't know what that is, probably should call your vet. I am asking to see if anybody knows what these are on my horse. It's only on her nose. And, and then I'm going to go through some of the comments, uh, of, of, of things. So the first person, right. You know, she's only asking what they are. Yeah. yeah. The first person writes warts and the next person. <laughs> now, actually I got to do this like Oklahoma style. Okay. Because y'all <laughs> she's asking to see if anybody knows what these are on her horse and it's only on her nose. And the first person named Cass is them's warts. And then the next person pops in and says, they go away, but you got to keep other horses away or they'll get them too. And then the third person comes in with the cure. There's a lot of cures, actually. Here's what you want to do. You're going to crush about six to eight medium garlic cloves. 
And then you're going to put them in olive oil. And then you're going to put them on the warts two to three times a day with a cotton swab or a small cotton ball. You are lying. You are lying. Oh, it gets better. Normally, the warts will dry up and fall off with 10 days or two weeks. Without treatment, though, I've heard of warts remaining on horses for months and months. (laughs) Next person. (laughs) They'll go away or you can give a warts vaccine and they'll go away faster. Squeezing them out has never worked for me. (laughs) <laughs> Holy cow You don't squeeze a wart It's not it Next person says You gonna keep them covered in salve So they cannot breathe And then they gonna fall off Next person says Here's the thing I get a cure to Here's what I do I use Wait I use a cocktail Of garlic powder Turmeric Olive oil And sulfur powder and then they all dried up and they were gone in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one says, you're going to treat them or leave them alone. They'll go away either way. Next person, super ugly, but they does go away. You can freeze them yourself with free zone from oh, the drugstore. Oh, God. <laughs> next oh, person God. says, you just going to scrub them off. Not hard. And you don't have to do it all at one time. My appy used to get them till I talked to my vet and he told me to do that. <laughs> you know what? You scrub it off your horse. So see how long that lasts. How do you not, do you not get involved with these discussions? Oh no, these are, I follow these pages so I can have this segment. Okay. <laughs> like, what am I going to say? Oh, it gets better. Um, one of our horses, this is again, Oklahoma version of bad advice for horse people by horse people. Next person says, one of our horses had that and an old man told us to rub WD-40 on it and it just plum went away. Oh my God. Uh, let's see. Uh, you be careful. There's an outbreak in Colorado right now. Blisters by horse's mouth. And I believe horses, when they get it, they have to be on quarantine. That's something totally different. Thank you for your advice. Um, <laughs> it's a virus that runs its course and it'll go away. Okay. Well, that's not helpful. Oh my God. The next one from Barbara, she says, you going to take some needle nose pliers and you got to get in there and make the warts bleed. <gasps> and then all of them will be gone. My veterinarian told me to do that. I don't think they did. Uh, <laughs> oh next my- one. Increasing the lymphatic cardiac output. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to rub, uh, put some iodized salt on its feed. And then they'll be gone in a couple days. No. Next one. Oh, God. It keeps getting worse. You're going to rub castor oil on the warts one time a day and they'll go away. Um, smash one and make it bleed. They'll be gone in three days. It kicks in their immune system. <laughs> uh, pinch one off between your fingernails. No WD-40 or cream or garlic or turmeric. Don't smash it. <laughs> um, hold on. I, I've got one, one more. I can't, I can't continue to read these. It's, it's tea tree oil and, uh, oh, oh <laughs> the best treatment I swear by it's Vagisil. I used it on two and cleaned it up in no time. And then we have the winner. Are you ready for the winner? Yeah, I think. It's like there's so there's I I that I read you a third of the comments. Here's the winner. Colt says, <laughs> "Old trick my dad and his dad did is you pee on them and they'll go away. I promise it works." No, not no pee even. on your nose. Not even. Stop it. Not even real. That's real. No. Y'all are going to go on and try to find all of these Oklahoma horse Facebook pages. And if you do, I promise you will not be disappointed because like Dr. Seaman says, you can't make this stuff up. You cannot make it up. There you go. And there's your bad advice for horse people by horse people. Jimmy doesn't have our sounder. Usually we have a very professional radio voice called Chad that says, oh, no, it's time for bad advice. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, now we're going to get a little personal with Helena because it is now time for teenage equestrian social media drama. And usually I do this segment, but I'm going to hand it over to Helena because she is the mother of a teenager who currently has this 
equestrian social media drama. So take it away, Helena. Tell us what you want. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. So so teenagers, as for those of you who have teenagers, this is the only way it is through social media. Um, Having an in-person conversation sounds pretty much just like a text. So here we go. (laughs) Oh, my God, you guys. I am so tired of these girls at the barn. They totally post on Instagram their stupid photos of their ribbons after the show. Like, oh, I was in the ribbons. Oh, look what I got. Look at how well I placed. I had a great ride. Whatever, brah. You came in sixth out of seven. (laughs) (laughs) I have to kick, clock, and clap my way to a freaking red. But since my mom doesn't have a gazillion dollars, I don't get to ride the trainer's fancy warm bloods. Like... Whatever. I will totally be a better rider than your spoiled ass and your baby blue matching fly bonnet and bridal bag. <laughs> I actually know how to groom my horses and I don't have an employee to which to hand my horse. Oh, God. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> That's the drama. Wow. And that is this directly from your daughter's social media page? <laughs> don't don't answer that. Don't answer that. <laughs> Let's say a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. Somebody knows somebody who had that problem, but it sounds like Helena, you need to make a million dollars by your <laughs> damn horse daughter a nicer horse. <laughs> no, it's the working student way all the way. Working students, man. Fantastic. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for being a co-host on the show. You're never my co-host. So I appreciate it. Girl you power. Jemmy, you can come back in now. We're done complaining about horse warts and urine uh, peeing on Lord. it. So Helena, <laughs> I like to do a little bit uh, about what did you learn today? And so what did you learn today about uh, just on the, on the show? Well, I learned a lot about um, stocking up. Okay. Actually, um, my horses are out 24 seven. So I typically don't have a problem with stocking up in a lot of the barns that I've worked at though. They have. So I I didn't realize that nutrition could play, especially the sodium intake. I didn't realize that that could play such a vital role in, um, a horse's proclivity for stocking up. So I learned that. And you know what else? Here's what I really liked learning though. I liked to, I liked learning that Dr. Siemens is one of those vets who, has an open mind and isn't the kind, like you said, who will just say whatever the client says goes. Yeah. I like that there are vets out there, especially not in my neck of the woods. Sometimes I tend to think that, um, horse professionals and health horse healthcare professionals out in other parts of the country are more in line with like the culture that's out there. And I don't really know what the culture is out there because I'm so embedded in the East Coast culture. So I really, I learned that um, this is kind of a no brainer when it comes to vets. The quality vets are going to look at the big picture and they're going to make recommendations based on context and what's in the best interest for the horse. That's my takeaway. Look at you. You did learn something. Jemmy, did you learn anything today? I learned, um, I learned about how to put out fires behind the scenes. How about that? Uh-oh. <laughs> we tested her, and I am sorry. I have so much work to do on this show later on in the day. Fantastic. Well, hey, I learned about a new podcast that I'm going to go tune into. And uh, again, it's called Stall and Stable, correct? Yes, ma'am. Stall and Stable. I'll be checking it out. Thank you guys so much for listening, tuning in. And Jimmy, thanks for all the hard work today. I appreciate it. Love you, Maynette. Spay, neuter, geld. <laughs> Spay, neuter, geld. <laughs> 